Today, I sit down with Tracy, who for years has managed the kitchen and facilities at IONS's Earthrise Retreat Center in Petaluma. For those of you that don't know, Huffman lost our beloved White Sulphur Springs Retreat Center in September of 2020. And Tracy at the time was crucial in helping connect IONS and Hoffman. When she heard about the news of the fire, she reached out and was able to put us in contact and the rest is history. We were then able to take Hoffman onto the land at Earthrise and continue to host our in-person processes. She has such a unique take because she knows every inch of this land. Through this, you will hear her incredible spirit shine. Tracy is so near and dear to our hearts here at Hoffman. Welcome to Love's Everyday Radius, a podcast brought to you by the Hoffman Institute. My name is Liz Severin, and on this podcast, we engage in conversation and learn from Hoffman graduates. We'll dive deep into their journeys of self-discovery and explore how the process transformed their internal and external worlds. They share how their spirit and light now burn brighter in all directions of their lives. Their love's everyday radius. Welcome, Tracy. I am so excited to have you on today and be able to talk and learn more about you. Hi, Liz. I'm pretty excited, too. I know you have um, some big things on the horizon for you, but I, um, I'd love to just have you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself. Okay, so I was born in California, and when I was six months old, I was born in LA. When I was six months old, we moved to Hawaii, to Oahu, and I spent the first eight years of my life in Hawaii. So I sort of was formed in the Hawaiian vibe. When I was six, um, my parents decided that they were going to move to England. So we moved to England for a year because my family, my parents were really into the Waldorf education and there's a mighty Waldorf school there in England. So we moved there for a year and then my dad decided that he didn't want to be in England anymore. So we moved back to Hawaii. When I was eight, we left Hawaii and we bought a Volkswagen van, and it was me and my brothers and sisters. I had two brothers and a sister, and my my stepmom and my father, and we drove across the country. It took like four months to drive across the country, and we ended up in New Hampshire. So we went from tropical vibes to, you know, freezing cold, (laughs) winter and snow, and uh, first year we almost froze to death, but we worked it out. When I was 18, I left New England and I just traveled around Europe. I was a nanny in England and I went to Germany and spent time in the Caribbean and, uh, and then w- found my way back to California where at 23, I uh, got pregnant and I had a kid, a boy and raised him. I moved, I was working in the city at the time and, and I ended up moving into a small town in Northern California called Stinson Beach. And I raised him out there sort of with a whole, you know, it takes a village. And so the village uh, helped raise him. And then I was uh, called upon to 
come and work up at Earthrise Ions in their kitchen. And so I took the call and I came up and I ended up, I've been working here at Earthrise Ions for the last 14 years. I love that. I think anyone uh, just even hearing that story makes total sense of where your cool vibes came from. A little bit of Hawaii, California, New Hampshire, and just this sort of travel, traveling the world, even at a young age. So Ion's Earthrise is actually where the current, it's in Petaluma, where the current uh, Hoffman Retreat Center lives. So that is one way for listeners, they might have seen you um, wandering the lands. Yeah, beautiful property up here. And yeah, Hoffman's been here for now, um, well, it'll be two years in November. So a year and a half. From what I know, you were pretty integral in um, helping Hoffman find a home. Do you care to share a little bit about that? Yeah. So I think around five years ago, I did the, the process. A few years before that, Christine Falcon Daigle had recommended that I do it because I was in a funny spot in my life and I was angry all the time and la, 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 la. So she recommended it. And for three years, I denied. I said, no, I don't need to do that. That's just silly. So finally, I did the Huffman process. And it was a mind blower, and a body blower, and a, a whole spirit blower. And I ended up doing picnics for Hoffman after that I did the tarot readings at the picnics every year. So when the pandemic hit, we had to Earthrise had to um, close the retreat center and let go of the whole staff, except for me, because I was the director of the facilities at the time. And so I needed to stay here. And I've been in contact with Debbie Day, who started working at Hoffman after having worked with me for the last 14, 15 years up here at IONS. She started at Hoffman. And she called me and said, Hoffman is on fire. And I thought, well, isn't, that's, a, that's amazing. And I have this huge, beautiful retreat center that's been sitting here for almost a year now. I'm going to call Liza and see if she wants to bring the process here. And so I uh, spoke with my CEO who said, do it. I called Liza. The next day, she and Matt showed up and we were like, yeah, this is perfect. I think a good month later, Hoffman started up here. Yeah, I remember it was like no time at all. I was actually teaching yeah, teaching that process that when the fire happened. And I remember we were all just, you know, we were in shock that morning after, but it was not literally the day after that we had heard rumblings of Matt and Liza already scoping out a new place. And I just was in awe of the Hoffman community just rallying and the determination to to keep this process going. So thank you for <laughs> being such a part of that. Yeah, it was incredible. I mean, it just the way that it all fell into place was amazing. You know, the, the land was super excited to have people back on it doing really deep, amazing work. So it's kind of interesting, the connection that IONS and Hoffman has In 1987, Edgar Mitchell, who was the founder of the Institute of Noetic Science, 
took the process, did the process, and was so amazed and moved by it that in, in um, 2000, when he found this, this land uh, here in Petaluma, uh, World College West was selling it, and they had, they had been here for 20 years. Edgar decided, like, this land was so amazing that he, he needed to somehow figure out a way to buy it. And so he called Raz and said, I'm about to buy this retreat center campus. And I'm wondering if you want to bring the, the Hoffman process here to Petaluma. Well, Hoffman, if I understand correctly, had just been gifted or had just bought White Sulphur Springs that same year. And so they declined the offer, but, you know, thank you, but no, we've, we're all set. Fast forward 20 years later, White Sulphur Springs is burning. Ions is still standing, and I reach out to them not knowing about this history. It all sort of came full circle. So 20 years later, here's Hoffman having just purchased the Petaluma, the San Antonio Road property, and Ions is now going to move on for their next 20. So kind of an amazing connection between the two. I had no idea of that. Like, what a circle of just coming full circle back to, ah, and I, I think that really speaks to what the land was meant to do, how it was meant to serve. The land rejoiced to have people back and to have people doing this kind of work. You could just feel a shift in it, a smoothness. Uh, it's like the unfolding of it was really amazing. And now it's history. Yeah. I mean, ooh, it gives me goosebumps thinking about that. I was teaching that the, the infamous fire process. And I remember so vividly, you know, all of these things that you're saying. And I remember um, Monday morning, we hadn't slept. And I remember Monday morning, everyone was just in tears learning about that we'd lost our home, our, our White Sulphur Springs. And Matt and Liza were, you know, quietly just, we're, we're going to go look somewhere else. And so I just, I remember just being sort of awestruck that the fire hasn't even settled yet. And the Hoffman community has rallied and is determined to continue to bring this work, bring this transformation and healing to people. And in their tears, they went to Earthrise and looked around. And so just knowing how integral you were to that process, just, you know, I speak on behalf of Hoffman and I'm sure the graduates to follow. Thank you. Because there was a, there was a few hours, it sounds like there, but we truly didn't know how, how it was going to go, what was going to happen. So we are forever grateful for you. It was just the flow of it was really, it was amazing to be a part of that flow. You guys need a place. I have a place, you know, come on. And the perfect place. I mean, I think that's that's what just gets me is um, the perfect place. And and when you mentioned the land, right? The land had been sitting twenty twenty and kind of dormant, rejuvenating, resting. And you say, you know, now the land was ready. The land was excited. And and I know you know the land so intimately. And I'm I'm curious if there's anything that you can speak of specifically that kind of you saw unfolding around you. Well, besides just the energetics of everything, right? It's like when you live somewhere and it's 194 acres 
and you're tuned into the vibe, you can feel the lifting when things change. You can also feel the heavy when things change. One of the things that I started to notice out my window was this set of of bald eagles, a pair. And at dusk each night, this pair would fly down from the hill and they would circle around the pasture above the dorms and just do these circles and they'd sort of dive down into the valley below and then they'd come back and they'd fly back over the tops of the trees and they'd be gone. And, you know, it's not very often that you, that, that I've seen the bald eagles on such a regular basis, but there they were. The deer and the turkeys, everybody kind of started showing themselves again. It's not that they didn't show themselves during the pandemic, but there was less noticing of all that. So the animal life really picked up speed. And the cats kind of got like super stoked because people were coming back. Nico in particular. Um, Yeah, so Nico was like getting more and more alive and he was going out more often, and he was checking to see if there were new cars or anybody else was around. Yeah, just breathing breathing new life back into the land. The land itself is such a healing place, and it's funny because I think for a while we thought that the land needed us in order to stay safe and protected and vibrant. And during the the COVID time, I realized we're the ones who need the land. The land doesn't need us. And that was a really big shift for me was to, again, it's about trusting nature. You know, it's about trusting that what is to be will be. Well, care to tell us a little bit more about your, just how you were involved with IONS or Earthrise? I was a waitress when I was raising my son. I was a waitress and a manager of restaurants in Stinson Beach. And I had, prior to getting pregnant, I had decided I was going to go to culinary school. And so I went for like four months and then I got pregnant. And so I had to stop. So I did all this like restaurant work and I did catering on the side with people. I I worked for caterers. So this woman calls me and says, I need a chef and I work at the Institute of Noetic Science in Petaluma and I'll pay you $20 an hour if you come and work for me. (laughs) And I had only done a few catering jobs with her and I thought, well, this is kind of amazing. Okay. I'd love to learn how to cook. So I got here and was blown away by the place in general, just like, wow, where did I just drive into? She promised that she was going to teach me how to, how to be a chef, and she would take time, and she would walk me through how to do it. I, I had never cooked on my own for 35, 85 people. I, I just hadn't. I had done it with other people, them telling me what to do. Suddenly, here I am. I start my first day. We don't have any clients. 
And the second day, she's sort of talking to me about ingredients and how she does it. Third day, she's not here. Fourth day, she rolls in and she's packing her bags and she says, I'm out. And so I'm like, what does that mean? Well, I quit. So here I am with this job and she's walking out the door and I'd never been a chef uh, ever especially for big groups of people for the first three years that I worked here, I didn't even know there was a campus like that. There were buildings. I just knew that there was a kitchen and a couple of buildings around the kitchen. I didn't know that people spent the night, like where they, where they slept. I just didn't know that for the first three years. Cause I was so, it was so important for me to learn how to cook. Yeah. I became like the chicken expert kind of as a vegetarian, almost I'm not a strict vegetarian, but kind of as a vegetarian, I learned how to, cook chicken like nobody. It was so good. And fish. That was my start to my time up here on the hill. And uh, that turned into me then, uh, go, there was a cycle of, of directors of the facilities that sort of cycled through. And I was introduced to the lodging eventually. And then I kind of started helping out the new directors because they needed to figure out how to run the place. And that led into our latest CEO coming in and seeing that I was doing too many things and asked if I would be interested in not doing the kitchen anymore, but running the retreat center. So I did and the land. And I've been doing that for the last five years. Wow. And I know there are so many other little connections. I, I guess um should let the cat out of the bag, so to speak, in that you are moving away. But I know that there are so many little pieces of you still in the site. Um, so many memories there of things that you've created. And I want, I know one of them is the big serving table. Is that right? That you, you were integral in that beautiful table and even the crystals up around. So we're so grateful for that. Yeah, there's a lot of special places. I watch the students walking around this campus and you can just see the transformation. You know, the land holds a lot of that energy, transformative energy. So yes, I am. I'm, gonna, I'm going to move to Maine. I'm going to move in near my family. Well, we will miss California. We'll miss you, but I know California has been a large part of your life. So I hope, I hope it's not goodbye forever. Yeah, it, I don't. We'll see. <laughs> well, just speaking of the land and transformation, let's go back to your process. You said 2016. Tell us a little bit more about what what really brought you. You mentioned it briefly, but what brought you to the process? So I was in my mid 40s and mid to late 40s. And I was really like, struggling with anger. I was angry. I felt I worked so hard. And there was no justice in life. And you can work hard and get nowhere and try to be a good person, but who cares? And I was starting to go down this weird rabbit hole of victimness and, and rage. And, you know, I grew up to be, I grew up being a good girl, like you'd be a good girl and um, don't make a fuss and, you know, put your big girl panties on, be the tower of power, don't feel those feelings. 
just plow through. And in that time in my life, my son was, was older and he was, you know, he had graduated from high school and I, all I did was work. That was it. And Christine lived up here at IONS and she was the caretaker with her husband, Jake. When I asked her where she worked, she said the Hoffman process. And I didn't know what that meant. And she said, you know, you might be interested in doing a process. And having gone to Walter schools my whole life, I had this sort of resistance to gathering and talking about feelings and things. And I don't know that it, I can't blame it on the Waldorf thing, but there's a little bit of this like community groovy thing that happens in that kind of education. There's also amazing things about it, creativity, imagination, music, dance, art. So when Christine said, you know, you get you get together with a group of people and you process your life from birth to 13 years old. I thought, well, that's what open a can of you know what if I did that. And I'm so pissed right now that I don't think it would be conducive. I think I would just be, you know, it'd be horrible. Well, and she, of course, said, well, I think it's actually perfect timing. And just let me know if you'd be interested. So the next year she asked me and I declined. The following year, she asked me and I was at the end of my rope, like there was no other way to go. And so I said, sure, let me see how I can do this. And at the time, IONS had a wellness budget where they would help you pay for wellness stuff. And so I went to them and I asked them if they would help support me. And without batting an eye, they said, yes, please. And so I signed up for the process. I was resistant until the minute I got there, basically. And then like even like a day before I left or two days before I left, Christine said, just be sure and remember to trust what is being taught to you is real and just trust your teachers, trust them. So if they ask you to do something, do it, you know, and I'm going like, yeah, whatever. All right, sure. So I roll into White Sulphur Springs and sit in the classroom. And instantly it was like, I started to get reconnected. Like in the first moments, there was this reconnecting that started to happen. And my group was really interesting. And we became so tight, so fast. And the whole point of like not saying what you do was colossal in terms of this is who I am. I'm not identifying myself by what it is that I do. Oh, I'm a chef or, oh, I'm a this or I'm a that. I'm just a person and I'm just working on my story. And I'm so pleased to be in a room with, I don't know if it was eight or probably eight other people that are doing it too. Yeah. Did you find that hard? To, you know, when when that's sort of taken, like you can't talk about what you do, did you find it hard to express who you were outside of that? Amazingly, no. I mean, at first I thought like, these are my identifiers, you know, I'm an executive chef, I run a retreat center, I am a mother, a single mother of a 
you know, 19 year old boy, I'm so great. Cause I like did it all on my own. And you put all of that aside and it's like, well, who am I? So difficult, maybe for the first day, it, because you didn't have anything to talk about at first. But afterwards, all of a sudden, it was like, how are you feeling? Like, those were the questions. How are you feeling? How was that for you? How does this, you know, feel? And using the words feeling for me, when we'd be in circle or something, I'd have to look at, at a list of feelings so that I could identify what it was because I realized I hadn't, I didn't know how to tap into my feelings. So, um, yes and no. I, I would say ultimately, no, it wasn't difficult. It was really more exciting to know people just purely for who they are. Yeah. And what about, is there a moment in the process that you remember or a few of them, if they're there, um, that just really landed you in the process or kind of broke you open? Well, I kind of joke about this with people that I don't remember the process (laughs) very well. Just because it was such a whirlwind of amazingness, I would say... One of the of the couple things that really stick out for me was writing a letter to the younger version of my mother, really being able to sort of channel her life prior to her becoming what she became, and uh, meeting her from this at the same age, like me being a certain age and her being a certain age. There was something really profound about that where I I recognized. She didn't have the tools to be a quote-unquote good mother. That was definitely a, a, um, a game changer for me in terms of relaxing a little bit more around it. So another time for me was this moment where I can't remember all the exact details, but there was this internal thing that was going on where we were sort of all turned inward and we were addressing some painful experience or some painful moment. And there was some crying going on. And then we were, you know, asked to stand up and move our chairs back and hold hands. And suddenly the mute, this music came on and it was like dance music. And you went from the, it was the shock of like being turned inward and retrospective to suddenly like, it's dance time. And like, what just happened? It like snapped me out of this, this sort of rut of caressing my wound or licking my wounds, you know? And all of a sudden you're like dancing crazy. Uh, It was amazing. That was so profound for me. It reminded me of watching my child when he was young and he'd like fall down or he'd, Somebody like he'd have like uh, somebody would bite him or hit him, and there'd be this like, oh my god, oh the thing, and then you'd go to them and you'd say, oh gosh, that's oh that is so hard, I'm so sorry, and let me kiss it and make it better, and then you kiss it, and then all of a sudden they're like, okay, I'm gonna go play, and off they run, and that just sort of duality of like, one minute you can be a bleeding heart, and the next minute you can be like laughing your head off. That was huge. That has stayed with me. Do you find that you approach things differently in that sense? Completely. It's not that I overlook the, the dynamic or the severity of something that's very serious, 
but I recognize that in this moment, this is what's happening. And there will be another moment that's going to arrive. And the, the whole energetic is going to shift. And Tracy, is there anything else that you want to share about how the process has shifted life for you or how it continues to live on in you? Yeah, one of the, one of the really uh, big ways that I'm no- I've noticed for the last so many years now is after doing the process, I'm able to become much more of an observer of things that go on in my life. I'm not so reactive. I'm not so quick to judge. I have this ability when I call in my body, mind, and spirit all together, and I'm a whole person, I really have this, this ability to like observe the situation and observe it from a place of a, as an observer versus the person who's headlong in it and can't see an exit or can't see a way around it. That has really, it's like learning how to pause and seeing my cycles, watching my, those funny things that we do where we just get on those, on the hamster wheel and we like go around and around and around about the same thing. It's like, now I can sort of see that I'm on the wheel, step back and say, look at you're going around in a circle, step back, take a moment, pause, observe, and then make a decision. That's lovely. I love the concept of just pausing, looking at it from a different perspective. And now, Tracy, I know that you are uh, and still do some tarot reading, but that is another just, I think, interesting connection as you used to do some of the tarot reading at the Hoffman picnics. Is this right? Yes. I did it for two years. Yeah. How did you, how did that come to be? Just even you getting involved in Tarot? Right. Oh gosh. My, my involvement in Tarot. So in my early twenties, I um, studied transformational body work. And so I did, I was a transformational body worker for about 15 years. And I was living in this small town and outside of San Francisco And so it was like a community and people knew that I did this transformational body work. And I was walking on the beach one morning with my dogs and a woman approached me and asked me if I would be willing to do a trade with her. She would do a tarot reading for me. And I, if I could give her body work because she had some body stuff. So I thought, well, tarot reading, isn't that interesting? And and when I was really little, I wanted to be a gypsy. And so I just kind of thought like, wow, well, um, my wanting to be a gypsy, I, now I get to see what gypsies do. And um, so I agreed and I gave her body work. And then a couple of days later, she gave me a tarot reading and it just blew my mind because it wasn't fortune telling. It was storytelling. I was like, wowed beyond belief. So she then said, I, you know, I really, I don't have the money to pay for body work, but would you be interested if I taught you how to read the tarot, you could give me body work and we would just do an exchange. And so I said, well, I have four other people who have studied at the same place that I studied and let's see if they're interested and we can do it as a group and we can all give you a massage and we can all learn how to do the tarot because I can't give you a massage every week. I don't have the time for that. So 
these other people agreed, and we each one of us would give her a massage. Uh, one person would give it one week, one would do the next week, the next week, the next week. And each week, she would teach us how to do the tarot. And I caught on super fast because it was so intriguing to me. I've always been like a Greek and Norse mythology kind of fan. So I started to take the tarot and incorporate it into my body work practice. So that's how the tarot thing started. So then here comes Hoffman. I do the process. And uh, Hoffman was looking for different ideas of things that they could do at the picnic. And Christine, I believe, mentioned that I do this tarot thing. So they called me and asked if I'd be interested in doing one of the picnics. And I said, sure, that sounds great. Uh, So I arranged to go and I went and I did the first year. And it seemed like it was sort of a great success. The next year, they called and asked if I'd do it again. And so I agreed to do it again. And I went and I was in the midst of readings. And then every, every 15 minutes, somebody would come and sit down and I would read for 12 minutes and then take a minute to take a break and breath. And then the next person would come. Well, eventually Raz shows up and I had never met Raz before. And he sits down at the table and I figure out what his lifetime symbols are. And before I can start reading him, he says, so you did the process. And I said, yeah. I said, but I don't remember any of it, like zero. I just remember that it, all I know is that it changed my life, but I don't remember what happened. I think I need to do it again. I need to do the process again. There's just no, I really need to do it again. And he laughed and he just said, no, you need to do a Q2, which I didn't know what a Q2 was. He kind of briefly explained to me what the Q2 was. It was a weekend and it would really help solidify everything for me. So right on the spot, I said, sign me up. And um, I ended up doing a Q2 uh, like a couple of weekends later. And the Q2 totally solidified everything for me. I still couldn't tell you what happened in the process, but I can tell you when I was in the room with everybody and we were in the process of doing this Q2, wow, it was like things just smashed together and became solid. I walked away from that one and I thought, holy moly, to do this is, it's life-changing. It's like 20 years of therapy in a week and a half. So that's, that's how that went with the Tarot and then now this Q2. That just makes me smile because I think that's the number one thing I hear from, from graduates, you know, after a process, can I go back? I need to do that again. I don't remember anything. And it just always makes me smile because it is just this reminder. I think as you're saying, like your body remembers, your spirit remembers, you know, even if you don't have those exact memories, even just in trusting that you remember. And then of course, yeah, Q2 always there. Yeah. And you can do the Q2 a few times, can't you? Totally. Yeah. So I, yeah, I'm definitely a Q2 supporter. I'm, I'm like to sign myself up for another one. And now, Tracy, I know you are about to move to Maine and leaving, um, leaving behind the land, but having been there for so many years, 
I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more, whether it's the labyrinth or the crystal, but just if you could give us some little nuggets of wisdom about the land. The labyrinth is super special. It's one of, I believe, six legacy labyrinths. Uh, And I'm going to say in the world, but I might be totally wrong. There might be like 10 of them, but as far as I know, it's one of these legacy labyrinths. And so the legacy labyrinth is a labyrinth. There's, like I said, I think there's six of them and they energetically join points. Definitely when you come here, if you can find time, go to that labyrinth and uh, walk it, set your intention at the, at the entrance of it and be really mindful in your, in your steps and take, I believe it takes about five minutes to get to the center. And then when you're in the center, you can let go of anything that's you're holding on to that no longer serves. And then you turn around and you come back out again, mindfully. So that, that I would say is a really important part of, of the land here. The oak trees also have an amazing amount of personality. And for anybody who is connected to trees, they're, they're totally going to find that these oak trees are full of wisdom. Great place to go and be next to, sit under, and write, or cry, or laugh all the trees. And and I think that that most of them show themselves to people who are into trees. There's also this gorgeous crystal at the top of the hill behind the lodging. And the crystal, when Ions bought the land, uh, one of the donors called her feng shui person and asked him to come up and help us tune the land for the most healing that we could, you know, that the land could give besides the fact that it was already a healing place. Was there some way that we could add direction to the healing and pull people in, pull people to want to come here? So this Feng Shui guy comes up and he says this and that and this and that and blah, 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 blah. And then he goes to this place behind the dorms up on this hill. And he says, it's really important that you place a huge crystal up here because what we want to do is we want to shift the energy from the gate. When you drive in, the energy is directed towards this hill and then it has to keep climbing hills and keep climbing hills before it can get over the top of a hill down into a valley. And then it has to climb back over another hill. So it, it doesn't create a pull to bring people and to pull energy and to pull for healing. So if you place this crystal here, it'll shift the direction of the energy from the gate and it will pull it up into a valley and then it'll go down into the neighbor's yard, into the neighbor's fields and through this, this other valley. So it's like, it's like this super strong pull to bring people in. So the crystal is an amazing spot. And that crystal was placed there 20 years ago, I think 10 years ago. Some of the caretakers that lived here 
had guests and those, the guests that they had had two children who wanted to go play by the crystal. The crystal was calling to them. So off they went to play and they were up there for like hours. Finally, they come running back down to the house and they say to their mom and to the caretakers here at the time, you guys got to come up and see what the crystal told us to do. Off the parents went up the hill and the kids had taken rocks, just rocks that they found, and they created this perfect circle outside of the crystal. And when the parents said, well, why did you put those there? And the children said, well, the crystal wanted us to make sure that there was enough space so that people would stand far enough away in order to get the healing from the crystal. And the circle is still there that those, ki- that those children laid. And it is quite profound. If you stand outside the cir- circle versus standing ins- inside the circle, you get a whole different energy shift. I would say those are two, oh, and, and the garden, of course. The garden, in the garden, there's a fountain in there called a flow form. I think that it was created by anthroposophical doctor in Sweden, maybe. The shapes were designed by him. And his belief was that water purifies itself through water's natural form. And so if you go and you stand by the fountain, you'll see the water comes out and then it creates these figure eights as it comes down the fountain. And then it goes into the pond and then it's pumped around and back up again. And then it comes down the fountain. This particular fountain was designed and built by my brother-in-law, Sven Schunemann, who studied with the creator of the, of the um, fountains, of the flow form. So that's another really healing place. I'm not going to say drink the water out of there because there's fish in it, but, <laughs> but definitely like go and get the vibes because the vibes are really cool. I'm interested to hear what advice would you give to a student um, coming in for Hoffman, experiencing the, the, the land out here? What advice would you give them? I guess I would say, first of all, get ready because you will transform just literally by stepping onto this, the land itself. One thing that I might say, I mean, I probably could say a million things, but I, they're not coming in my mind right now. Probably really listen. Keep your eyes open and listen and look around and really take in the sights and the smells and the sounds of the land. And when you're walking, to the dining hall, take the path in the woods, the whole path, and just listen as you go. It's really vibrant, alive place. Well, Tracy, I'm just in awe of you, and I am in awe of how you've held the land and really just how interconnected you are to Hoffman, what an integral part you were and just 
it reminds me how inter- interconnected we all are. And I just really want to thank you for that. And I just wish you well on your next journey and know that we will uh, remember you in all of those places. Thank you, Liz. I'm so, so glad that you guys are here. I really am. I think it's perfect fit. And I wish you all amazing, amazing growth and um, health and an amazing healing for everybody who comes here. So thanks. Thank you for listening to our podcast. My name is Liza Ingrassi. I'm the CEO and president of Hoffman Institute Foundation. And I'm Raz Ingrassi, Hoffman teacher and founder of the Hoffman Institute Foundation. Our mission is to provide people greater access to the wisdom and power of love. In themselves, in each other, and in the world. To find out more, please go to hoffmaninstitute.org.